morning, everybody. I'm sitting here talking. Let me get up here and do what I need to do. All right. So good to have all of you here. Let me get this stuff out of the way. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, all you ladies. And for guys who are supporting your ladies for Mother's Day, uh, I had an interesting, well, it's, just, it's a repetitive conversation I've had with several people over the past, I don't know, how long have I been married? <clears throat> 19 years, uh, almost 19 years. Uh, with where's Tina? Is Tina here today? She was. I thought I saw her earlier. She's around here somewhere. Anyway, Tina, and she was saying, uh, "Wow, what are you getting your wife for Mother's Day tomorrow?" I said, um, "Nothing. Uh, she's not my mom." And so <laughs> that always goes over really well. By the way, everybody loves that. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, it's Mother's Day. And we're here to celebrate uh, and here to, to fellowship and to hang out. So if you're a guest this morning, maybe you're here with your mom and you're uh, having a great time, I hope, today so far. We want to welcome you in. We want to make sure you know what's available for you. First, we want to get you hooked up with some fresh coffee or some iced coffee or whatever you see in the cafe is there for you to consume. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. If you have kids with you this morning and you would love for them to be a part of our Faith Kids environment downstairs, we have an awesome team that is down there ready to serve and love on them uh, and, and get, have Jesus-centered content on their level. So make sure that if you have them and want to be down there, they can check in down there. We'd love for them to be involved. If you're online, we can, uh, we'd have a, a, a gift, sorry, not a gift. We have a Faith Kids experience there for you as well. As they are uh, in person with you, there's a, a, a link that we have on our Facebook page that sends them right to content that they can access on their device and to get involved and have a discussion with you as a family as to what they're learning downstairs when you're here and then home when you're not here. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. If you are a first or second time guest and you're here in person, we'd love for you to be able to get a gift. Make sure you see Dawn in the back before you go. She'll make sure she'll hook you up with a free bag full of lots of goodies. And then if you're online, we have a free ebook for you as well that we'd love for you to have. So let us know you're visiting with us this morning and online or in person, all right? Also, we got a few things we want to highlight. Uh, one is it is a, the final day of Serve Team Sunday. So if you've been with us the past two weeks, we've been passing out uh, Serve Team information for you to get involved and plugged in. The thing in our church that we try to encourage is that everybody that's here semi-regularly, like once a month on average, that get involved and get plugged in. We want you uh, serving with others in this church so we can serve others in this community together. And so we want to make sure that you're signing up for teams. And so if you uh, before you get out of here today, if you haven't had a form, there's a form in the cafe. Make sure you fill it out and make sure you find your team leads before you get out of here. Uh, before we have break, I'll identify who some of those team leads are so you can connect with them before you get out of here today. Because what we're asking you to do is not just connect to a task, like, oh, what can I do? Uh, but we want to connect you to a person who's going to help you, going to get you oriented, get you trained up, plug you in, and get you connected to people within the church, which is just as important as doing things. So I'll make sure I point out a few of the team leads we have here this morning that are going to be running with these uh, different things we we have to do in the church, and so you can connect with them before you get out of here today, because the goal is to have everybody involved somewhere in probably multiple places uh, over the course of the next few months, all right? So we're going to get you fit, uh, fitted in somewhere, somehow. Uh, the other thing I want to highlight is there's a church work day. Speaking of getting involved in doing things, if you have two pairs, or if you have two pairs, you can have two pairs of hands, I guess. If you have one pair of hands, uh, that would be great. We'd love for them to be involved this Saturday morning from 8 to noon as uh, we have work day downstairs in the kitchen. We're finishing off some cabinets that are needing to be painted, and then we also have uh, the walls that we're repainting in the kitchen as well. So anybody can do this. Matter of fact, last year we had... Um, 
Oh, shoot, we were painting the Faith Kids room, and we had so much involvement. What I loved was the Newton kids. Uh, the girls were downstairs, and, and jo- Joseph, and he was in, and they were just grabbed a brush and grabbed a roller and started rolling out, and shoot, I mean, we were done with that room. That's like a 20 by 15 space, and we were done in like 15 minutes. It was like lightning fast, uh, and it was done well. It wasn't like a you know, slap shot job. It was actually really, really well done, and so uh, the, if you ever need any work, the Newton kids do great work. I recommend them. You can talk to Steve about labor rates and all that fun stuff. All right. Uh, but uh, whether, whether you need them or not, we need you to be here Saturday at any point. If you can be here from 8 all the way to noon, great. If you can give us an hour, give an hour. If you're here for the cafe, stop in and pick up a roller for a few minutes and roll a, a few spots out, and then that would be helpful too. So whatever you can donate for it this Saturday from 8 to noon, we'd love to have you engaged downstairs as we continue to work on this space. And that's just one day. We're going to have multiple days throughout this summer to get you involved. Uh, if you're a carpentry guy, if you're a woodworker, if you're just someone who loves to pick up a hammer or drill stuff or pretend they know what they're doing like me, uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to get involved over the course of the summer as we seek to continue to uh, can patch up this building, to repair it, to make it new in different places. Uh, because, hey, when you're 111 years old, you tend to fall apart. And so you need people to put you back together again. And so that's what we're going to do as a church over the next few months. So this Saturday, 8 to noon is your first opportunity. Just join in, no skill required, just effort, all right? Just lots of good effort. And make sure that you see these serve team leads I'm going to point out in just a few minutes as we break. The last thing I want to always highlight is our uh, opportunity we have to do two things. One, if you're in need, we want you to be able to receive that help that you may need. Reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website. Go to faithchurchvt.com and you'll see all the contact information. Call us, text us. PM us, whatever you need to do, and we'll make sure we connect back with you so that you can get whatever assistance you're in need of, whether it be just, you know, maybe a conversation you want to have with somebody, sit and talk to somebody, maybe you need uh, financial help, whatever it is, we want to engage with you in that need and see how we can help and partner with you as you move forward. If you would love to give, to, uh, to be a part of this church, is, is to be generous in all that we do, and it's so interesting and so much fun to be able to see that happen uh, and take different, and how that takes different avenues, and so we encourage you to give uh, financially. If you have that available to you, you can give in person by the baskets up front and in the back, or you can give online, faithchurchvt.com, and press the give button. Uh, that's a couple of different ways. I encourage you to give your time and your talent, as we talked about for Saturday, and also your compassion. We were talking, uh, I was speaking with Sharon earlier, and uh, Walt's uh, sister, uh, who's a few states away from here, but she was recovering uh, from a pretty uh, dramatic health episode, and she's in rehab right now. Uh, and if anyone who's ever gone through a pretty dramatic health episode in their life and they're in, coming on the road to recovery, there's, a, there's good days and there's bad days, but what really makes it special is when people uh, rally around you and are not only praying for you, but want to show uh, that care and concern, sometimes by cards or by calls or by texts or whatever the case is. And so we've been partnering in prayer with her as she's gone through this, and uh, we want to continue to encourage her throughout this process as she recovers. So uh, my wife's holding up a card. So if you're here in person, even if you don't know her, all right, just it, get, get some information from Walt and Sharon before you leave, and they'll explain a little bit to you. So you can get, uh, so you can jot down your name and just a brief word of encouragement for her as she recovers. Uh, that's just one example of how you can give. We're going to be talking more over the next few weeks about how we can engage with homeless and, and addicts in our community. That's going to be another way we showcase the compassion that we have. We have great compassion for animals that walk in our building on random occasions too. <laughs> Who going to help me preach this morning? Maybe? I don't know. All right. Okay. It's not a snide cat, but that's all right. It's another, it's another neighborhood cat. All right. 
I'm more of a dog person, but that's all right. <clears throat> all right. Okay, awesome. I got off track a little bit, but that's all right. So let's focus back here. Okay, so give, 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 right? Be generous, <laughs> be compassionate, fill out that form. Uh, all right. So if you've been with us, last week we started a new series called Walking Faith, right? And so we're continuing that this morning. Uh, we've been going through the letter of James to find out how we go from talking about following Jesus to actually walking that out. Uh, I gave a warning up front last week that James is a really challenging letter, right? And that we might feel like we get gut punched a few times while we're listening to his pretty blunt words. And maybe that was your experience last week as we discussed that uh, pain and suffering, the things that we often want to avoid in our lives, uh, is actually this normal part of following Jesus. That is something we shouldn't be surprised by. As a matter of fact, instead of even being surprised by it or even complaining about it uh, or even praying for a way out of those moments in our lives, what James says we were to do was to consider those things to be joyful. Consider them joyous moments in our lives and pray for wisdom on how to receive them and deal with them instead of seeking a way out, all right? That's a crazy concept that he introduced last week, uh, and maybe you're just like, man, that's pretty tough, James. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that, right? That's, that's a good position to take because it is hard. Uh, so maybe that's you, or maybe you're like, no, it was good. I understand that. I'm ready to move on. So today, this week, there's going to be another opportunity to, to be gut-punched a little bit to see what he says for us here and how we can apply it. Uh, to do more walking in our faith and less talking. So we're going to be talking about how we are going to talk less, how we're going to listen more, and how we're going to do more as well. Before we get there, though, we're going to have a quick break. We're going to ask and answer this question of one another. Uh, and before I give it to you, I want to point out again, as we're doing this last run of Serve Team Sundays, I want to identify a few folks in this church who are exemplifying giving and who are exemplifying service uh, and who are agreed to, to kind of take the lead. So uh, I'm going to try to scan the room and see if I can find some of these fine people before I forget who they are. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so Brian in the back, you don't have to stand up. You can just raise your hand. Brian in the back, he's helping out with our facilities. So anything that you see that needs work, he's the man who's helping to make that happen to get it put back together again. Uh, we got Rick here up front. He's helping out with anytime we need events put together or chairs moved or, or just some assistance in getting stuff done. He is the man on the job. He's going to take care of that for us as well. Up front, Jen Boucher, she's doing our care team. So we're talking about homeless and addiction, talking about people with need in our community. She's going to be one of the people that helps make sure we're all on the same page with that. Lisa in the cafe, she does a fantastic job with hospitality, which is a wide range of, of things that are, uh, but basically in, a, in the shortest form comes down to helping keep the church in working order and, and clean. So when you walk in, you're not walking into a dirt space and it's like a, like a pigsty in here. She does a fantastic job of making sure you're welcomed into a nice clean space. Uh, shoot, man, there's so many folks. Uh, Tiffany, she's going to be doing our worship. Uh, it's just awesome. Thank you so much for that, Tiffany. So we don't do live worship yet, but she is going to be working us toward eventually doing live worship every Sunday morning, so that's going to be fun to see. Carrie in the back, she's helping out in the booth today. So she's our tech media person. Uh, so if you liked anything to do with computers, she is the person you need to talk to because she is going to be helping move that forward and uh, scheduling people and getting those teams involved. So many others are doing this. There's so many people here that are helping to move us uh, as a church into these different responsibilities and to make sure we are accomplishing the mission, which is to reach panel for Jesus. Here's the thing about reaching this community for Jesus. It is way bigger than me, all right? And I've tried to enforce that. And I've tried to, to really make sure we understand that, that God doesn't call just one person. God calls a people 
together. And he calls the people together not just to come and sit and listen. We're going to talk about this in a few minutes. He calls the people together to do together. If you want to see your neighborhood change, if we want to see this community transformed, it doesn't, it doesn't just start and end with me talking on a Sunday morning. It starts, it ends, it continues, it progresses, it moves forward when we're all engaged together, seeing the gospel reach families, seeing and reach neighbors. I love being a part of a community that it continues to engage because we can go to the ball field and sit and have gospel conversations together. We can go up to Pownal Day yesterday and hang out and we serve some coffee and we walked around and talked to people and it gives an opportunity to relate and to be able to pour in love into their lives in a way you couldn't otherwise. That's what this is about. All these team leads are here to help organize and make us more efficient so that we can reach more and more of this community for Jesus than we ever could before. Because contrary to popular belief, I am not perfect and I don't have it all together and I'm not even the most organized person. And so all of these individuals are going to help keep me and to keep all of us on track as we move forward to continue to see Pownal transformed by the gospel of Christ. I'm so excited to see how this next step in our church takes us into this just other level. Uh, we, we have already seen such tremendous growth spiritually and numerically. I cannot wait to see how God uses it as we look forward into the summer, into the fall, into the rest of this year and see how this makes a big, big difference. And so when I'm asking you to serve, I'm asking you not only connect to a task, I'm asking you to connect to people. And so as you're looking over the serve team list whenever you're in the cafe, my wife has one up in her hand, I'm asking you to commit to one or two teams and uh, follow up with them or they're going to follow up with you. They're going to track you down and make sure you know that you're involved on a team somewhere as we're all engaged on this mission together, all right? So find them during break. Also, make sure that you're asking and answering this question of one another. And we're going to talk about this after the break. Uh, name a time that you listened to somebody, and maybe you're experiencing it right now, Maybe name a time you listened to someone, but you couldn't remember what they said after the conversation was over. <laughs> all right? Yes. You just, maybe you just dumped everything I just said, and all right, good luck. All right, so we're going to take a five-minute break roughly. Get up, get some coffee, fellowship with one another, tell somebody you love them as you're getting around and moving around this morning. And hey, when have you listened to somebody but forgot what they said? We'll talk about it when we get back, all right? Let's do it. All right. As you're getting settled back in, no rush, by the way. Feel free. If, you, if you're new to our church, you're visiting, or, or first-time or second-time guests, we're really informal, and I may ask questions during the message and ask and actually uh, want a response. So uh, you can continue to talk uh, as we go through this process, so don't feel like, oh, we need to be quiet and shut up. No, that's okay. We can, we're going to have a conversation this morning, uh, and if you need to get up, need to move around, need to grab anything in the cafe, feel free to do that as we get going, or use the restroom at any point. Feel free to make yourself at home is our goal here anyway, all right? So as we're uh, getting settled back in a little bit, let's talk about this one. This should be really easy, right? Uh, so only one moment in your life where this happened, but name a time that you listened to somebody, but you couldn't remember what they said when that conversation or lecture or training or whatever, when that stuff was over. So who's got, you don't recall, <laughs> Dave doesn't remember. I, I know it's Mother's Day, but a lot of times when my wife speaks, I have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> really sorry, honey, but, you know. <laughs> I was going to say this is a good opportunity for husbands She's to speak. She's not even up. here. This is great. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> Who else has got one? What's the time you listened to somebody but forgot what in the world they talked about? My wife, she could go all day without talking to me at, at the house mm -hmm. until I got on the phone. <laughs> Once I started talking to somebody else, all of a sudden she's starting to talk to me, having a conversation, 
I'd go hang up the phone, I'd go back to watching television or something, and she's like, well, I thought we were going to go out and do this. I said, when did I say I was going to do this? I said, well, you were on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I get that. Awesome. There you go, Brenda, what you got? Well, this is revenge, ladies, because I often do not hear what my husband has just said to me. <laughs> and I'll be at the computer or something, and he'll be talking away. But he's very smart because he's learned that I, I tune out easily. Uh -huh. So he'll say something along the lines of, yeah, donkey just, you know, crossed the road, and he's coming in the house right now. <laughs> and then I'll go, uh-huh, he'll go. <laughs> I know you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty clever. All right. Anybody else? What's the time you listened but didn't uh, remember? Yesterday, we had fun up at the, the Spring Fest, and I had my very first iced coffee. Mm. And so I proceeded to tell Lisa how delicious it was, and somebody asked me if I had ever had one before, and I said, no, I never have. And Lisa said, Mom... She said, remember all the ones I used to buy for you? <laughs> and unfortunately, my poor daughter is um, having to deal with, <laughs> with a lady who's kind of losing her memory. <laughs> Just about every couple of days now. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Well, that's good. Appreciate that, Miss Jan. Everybody else remembers there. Oh, okay, good. I'm about to say, come on now, people. This has got to be more than that. I've done it, and I've also been the recipient. Yeah. Is that my kids and a lot of people wear earpods now or yes. earbuds, and I see it all the time at work where people are on a call and a coworker will walk up and not realize because they're wearing their earbuds mm -hmm. and start talking to them, and so and it's the same thing like where I've talked to my kids and that, and they're wearing their earbuds and they have no idea what I've said. So. <laughs> yep. That's the, the, the inconspicuousness of, of that is really frustrating. Leo's got one over here, right? Don't trip over the cat. <clears throat> oh, well. Uh, okay, so if you know me, you know how true this is, okay? Uh, Janine will have a complete conversation with me, and then uh, the next day she'll say, so are we going to do this or whatever? And I'll be like, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't even remember the day, let alone... <laughs> What she was saying to me. Said, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that your daughter was shaking her head. Yes, I totally know what happens. All right. All right, anybody else? Those are good. All right, Walt's got one back there? No? Okay. <laughs> no, Sharon says no. It must be good. Let's go. <laughs> now, it's, uh, when I was in basic training, you know, we, we stayed tired all the time. Yeah. And the worst part was going to the classroom. Because then, you know, you're sitting there, and this guy's just droning on and on and on. And you're sitting there, and you're trying to stay awake, trying to stay awake. And you get done with the class, and they run you outside. They, they tell you, what did he just say? I don't know. <laughs> so then you end up doing more push-ups and getting more tired, and you still didn't learn anything. <laughs> right. But you got stronger. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Anybody else? Those are all great. Very good. Okay. <clears throat> this one is really hard for me because <clears throat> I always listen and I always remember what people tell me. Just, just ask my wife. Where is she? 
<laughs> no, that's a total joke. It's really hard for me, not because I remember everything, because I don't, but it's really hard because there's a million examples of that exact same thing that happened to me, not just over my life, but like just last month has been this way, right? Uh, so I was really thinking back, and like, man, when's a, when's a good example of this happening? that happened frequently, uh, and it was when I was a teenager in high school, right? Because I think there's something that happens when, uh, when you turn 13. Uh, I think your ears turn off. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Um, I have a few teenagers, and I'm pretty confident that's what's going on. At least that's the excuse I want to at least give them so they have an excuse for their behavior or lack thereof. So uh, I'm pretty sure this is what was going on with me. Uh, so I go to this class, and I'd sit in the classroom, and I was a pretty average student when I applied myself. I wasn't exceptional. Uh, but the problem was I wasn't interested in what was being taught, okay? So I get there and I could kind of get around it, but I wasn't there for, for what they wanted to teach me. Uh, I was really interested in music and I was really interested in girls, which is why band was the best class ever because I get to play music the whole time and there was girls everywhere. It was like the best whole period of the day. Uh, so I had, a, that was the perfect time for me, but the rest of the subjects were a struggle. I had bad vision, but I didn't have bad hearing. So I could hear everything that was being said, uh, and I might retain it just enough to pass a test. You ever did that where you like cram enough information right before the test just to pass it and then you don't even remember a single thing you took or talked about or read before, beforehand, right? So I did that a lot, uh, especially in math. I would, just pry, I would just get in as much as I could. I really struggled with math. Um, I just couldn't imagine a scenario in real life where I would use algebra. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't process. Like, where am I going to use A squared plus B squared equals C squared? What does that apply in day-to-day life, right? Unless you're like an engineer or something, right? And by the way, to all my math teachers that said I wouldn't have a calculator all the time when I was growing, growing up, I got the last laugh because my phone has it with me everywhere I go. I don't ever need to remember anything. So there you go, right? So school was not good for listening. I didn't do a lot of it. Uh, I just dumped all that information to, to a vast degree. Uh, but fast forward a couple of years to basic training, talking about that, Walt. And it's the first weekend. And now I just turned 40 last, uh, this past week, right? So basic training for me was 22 years ago. And, uh, but I remember this vividly. First weekend, I'm with 60 guys huddled around a drill instructor uh, in a squad bay in us at night. And he's giving instruction. And it was on hand-to-hand combat. And he was describing the ruthlessness that it takes to win a fight, especially when you're against a bigger opponent, right? Now, it's been 22 years again, but I remember this so vividly because I remember his, he described a situation that he found himself in one day where he was picked up by this bigger guy and he was like face-to-face with him. And so he said what he did to be able to get out of it was he took his hands, he had his hands free, thankfully, and he pushed his thumbs right into their eye sockets and gouged their eyes out, Right? I know, some of you are like, oh gosh, right? So as an as a, as a 18-year-old kid, I was like, that's amazing, right? <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Train me to do this, right? And so I remember every vivid detail he's describing this story. Now, I've never had to apply this particular skill in my life, right? At least not yet. But I remember what I heard 22 years later, partly because of how descriptive that scene was as he was, as he was talking about it, but also because I knew that given the right circumstances and that knowledge might, might save my life or might help me win a fight, right? Listening and application tend to go hand in hand. And nowhere is this more true when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And we're going to find that out as we unpack James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. So if you have your Bible, uh, or if you have a Bible app on your phone or device or whatever you carry with you these days, feel free to open it up to that. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. As we always do, we're going to break it down piece by piece and get into some irrelevant details this morning. James 1, 19, he kicks it off. He says this, 
He says, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, if you remember from last week, we said that James is writing this letter to those who hear, receive, and follow after Jesus, right? And they've been given new life by following after him, okay? So here he's launching into what living that new life looks like. And he begins by saying, hey, know this. In other words, take note, mark it down. But more than this, internalize it, right? Let this saying roll around in your mind. And he kicks it off with the first thing that we all need to hear, be quick to hear. Now, James isn't obviously talking about just practicing hearing in general. Instead, he's saying that those who have encountered Christ are first not to clutter up their day with noise, right? Not to be overrun with their own thoughts, but instead opening their ears to what God is speaking to them from the very first moment, right? We are to be receptive to God speaking in our lives, to his word in our lives. You see, when I wake up first thing in the morning, I have a choice. That very first moment, as soon as my alarm goes off or if I wake up before, whatever the case is, I've got a choice. I can open my eyes. I can start thinking about all the things that I have to do. I can pull up the news on my phone and I can start getting consumed with my day, right? And I've done this. I do it constantly. I'm a, I'm, I love to, to plan. I have a plan of the day. I want to accomplish the plan and the plan's done and I've had a good productive day. So it's usually about checking my things off my list, right? So I could do that. That's one option. Or... If I want to strengthen my relationship with my wife and kids, I can instead wake up and I cannot instead start thinking about my day, but I can just sit or lay and just start listening. Just start listening. Can I hear the kids downstairs or are they still in their beds? Are they working in the kitchen? Is John awake? Who's my three-year-old? And, and maybe he's getting into something he shouldn't be into, whatever the case is, right? Is, is my wife awake? Is she in the shower? Do you hear the shower running? Or maybe she's sleeping in, right? It, all these sounds that go on around us as I'm listening for the activity and the voices of others, I'm more prepared to enter into their life instead of being consumed of running through my own. Right? Now, you can apply this same principle, which I encourage you to apply it in your family life, uh, or just your life in general, but you can apply this especially in your relationship with God, right? My kids tell me this all the time. They say, man, I can't hear God speak. How do, how do you know that God actually speaks? I say, well, I've, I've heard him. And they'll say, I can't hear him. And my first response is always, have you slowed down? Have, have, you, have you quieted yourself down enough to hear him? And they're kids, right? So most of their day is consumed with noise and running around and accomplishing their own deal, right? So obviously the answer is, 99% of the time going to be, well, no, I haven't done that, right? But I also I always lead with that, right? James assumes that God is speaking. He doesn't say, know this, be quick to hear, and just be patient, because eventually you'll hear something come around, and God will eventually speak into your life. No, he says, be quick to hear, because God is always there calling out. He's speaking out to us. And James knows that we're often too slow to hear, hence that command. He says, hear. But he says you need to do more than just hear. He says you have to be quick to hear. Quick to hear. You need to develop in your life a posture of eager listening, right? When I was sitting in that squad bay, that drill instructor had my full attention that night. I will guarantee you that. I was like a sponge soaking up every single word, ready to apply, poking someone's eyes out at any given moment. I was ready to do that, right? You see, hearing God takes more than just a quiet space and a quiet mind. It takes a posture of eager listening, of readiness to listen. You see, that's going from a place of, of being ready to hear to a place of needing to hear. 
to anticipating a word being spoken, to anticipating knowing or seeing something that you haven't known or seen before. So when you're spending time just opening up the Bible and just reading one verse, or you're spending time praying and you're spending some quiet time together, knowing that God is speaking, and are we leaning in enough to hear? Or are we just checking it off of our list for the day and moving on? James says, be quick to hear. Be eager to engage and listen. God is not silent. We're often too loud to hear him. Now, doing either of these requires this next action that he says. You have to be quick to hear. You have to be slow to speak, right? If you're going to hear, you can't talk. (laughs) Our nature, though, wants to fill silence with our thoughts and words, doesn't it, right? Because we're uncomfortable with silence, especially in a conversation. Maybe you have this experience. Maybe someone come up to you, and you're starting to talk with another, and you have this awkward pause. Yeah, you've been there with that conversation. You're speaking to somebody, and you're like, oh, man, I just realized I don't know this person well enough to know what I need to talk about next, and I don't know if they know me well enough to ask, because we just sit here and be like, okay, great, conversation. See you, see you next time, I guess. See you later. You try to find a graceful way out of that awkward space, right? We want to fill those moments with noise, with conversation, something like that. Maybe you've had this, and guys, I think this is a guy problem but maybe girls or ladies have experienced this as well. You ever had someone come up to you and give you a problem? Yeah, and they come up to you and say, man, I've, I'm struggling with this today. I'm really, I, maybe it's at the end of the day. They come home and they're unloading everything, right? And our first instinct or mine is to do what? Maybe you're guys and you experience this. Solve it, right? I'm here to fix the problem, right? You tell me that, that something's broke, then that means, oh, I should go have to go fix this, right? That's what you're telling me, even though you didn't tell me, because I'm smart. I know what you're asking me to do before you ask me to do it. I'm listening, right? Right? That's our, that's our go-to. It may not have to be a guy thing, but I think sometimes that's the, that's the uh, generalization there. But we want to give the best thing we can do. So we want to fix the problem. We want to give the best advice we can muster up. So we quickly formulate in our minds, oh man, they got a problem. How can I give the best advice I can possibly give? We just spew it out real quick and we hope that everything's going to be okay. That's going to be enough, right? We never think, at least I don't, that the best thing might be just to pause for a minute. Say they unload in their day. Or maybe they actually come to you for advice. Maybe they actually say, hey, I need your help with something. Give me your advice on this. We never actually stop to think and say, maybe the best thing is to pause and reflect. Maybe the best thing is to consider that issue and then say, hey, you know what? I'll get back to you on that. We're never slow to speak. We're really quick to speak. James said you have to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Matter of fact, there's an ancient Jewish rabbinical saying that says, two ears are given to us but only one tongue. The ears are, are open and exposed, especially the big ones like me, whereas the tongue is walled in behind the teeth. Proverbs 17, 27 puts it this way. It says, whoever restrains his words, it's like handcuffing them, right? Has knowledge. And he who is cool spirit is a man of understanding. It turns out, as James gives this little sequence of events, that you have to be quick to hear, you have to be slow to speak if you're going to do this last part of this equation, which is being slow to anger. Proverbs picks it up there. He says, a man who has knowledge, has a cool spirit, is a man of understanding, right? That we have to be slow to anger. We said last week that God's goal in allowing this suffering and pain in our lives, those things we go through, these times of testing, is to produce maturity in us, is to grow us up, to make us, uh, to, to grow us into endurance, into patience, and all these things that we need in our lives to really survive, right? Anger, however, is obviously the opposite of patience, right? It's the result of, of this pent-up emotion and frustration that either results in bitterness if it's held in too long, or results in outbursts 
where we wind up harming others and harming ourselves in the process, right? We are to be slow to anger, James says. We're to do this because in verse 20, he says this is what happens. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So we are to be a people who listens eagerly to God and others in our lives, right? Who thinks a long and, and a deliberate, careful response and answers with cautious words. Because the opposite is to be self-consumed, is to be self-righteous, is to get easily angered, is to waste all that energy on things that cause strife and causes division instead of living as God has called us to do. Verse 21, he keeps going. He says, hey, that's what you're supposed to do, but it keeps getting even better. He says, therefore, knowing that you're to be all these things, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James uses a couple of metaphors here to get his point across. In the Greek, filthiness refers to clothes. He's not talking about your body being dirty. He's talking about your clothes being dirty. He's picturing somebody who's worn this one set of clothes their whole life, right? And throughout all the years they've worn them, they've gotten dirty by rubbing up against people and, 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 and rubbing others the wrong way maybe, and they've become worn thin in places, and they have holes in them by doing things that they have done to others or have had done to them, right? And I think this is a great description uh, of life because anyone who's lived any significant length of time I think would really relate to life being like that, right? To being like this old worn set of clothes, where some days you wake up and you realize, man, I've got holes all over here, right? I'm really worn thin in places. But having a life walking after Jesus means taking off those rags, he says here, right? He says, take off, right? He says, therefore, put away all filthiness, right? So we had to take off those rags, those behaviors that have caused those stains and those tears, and we have to humble ourselves, right? That's what meekness means. He says, humble ourselves, so that we can then receive God's word of new life. And he uses a garden metaphor here. He swaps it up, all right? He goes from clothes to a garden. He says we are to receive God's word like a seed implanted in tilled soil. This is a perfect analogy for this time of year. Is, are the field, the field, are we, we told, are we uh, tilling fields yet, Mike? Or is that what we're getting there, right? All right. So we're tilling fields up, and you got to till the soil so that the soil can actually receive that seed, right? You, you can't just throw seed out where you could. But you, it won't get a lot of results if you're throwing seed out on hard, untilled soil. It's just going to die. It's going to wilt away. Nothing's going to happen. You have to till it up to implant the seed. That's what James is saying. We have to remove the, the filthy clothes, the stains, the worn out ways that we used to live, all these behaviors and actions that have just depleted us so far. And then we have to humble ourselves. We have to come before God exposed and say, man, soften me. Soften me, Lord so that I can then receive your word in me. And not just get it and hear it, he says implanted word of God. That's something that becomes a part of us. That's something that sits in the deep part of us that can grow and take root and produce fruit out of us. That's a radically different thing than just hearing about the gospel or hearing about Jesus. That's like living and receiving and living it out, doing this, right? James says to let it become implanted in you. Let it become an innate part of you. And he's describing this continual process of, of daily coming to God in humility and our need for him and taking off the old and receiving the new. It's this constant renewal process in us. Now, that's a, that's a spiritual mental exercise that needs to happen. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, uh, be humble, receive God's word, take off all this stuff. That's all mental processes. 
But James isn't done there. He goes to here. This is, the, this is the driving point he wants to get at. Verse 22. He says, but, you've done all these things, great, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Mm. You see, as important as it is to slow down and, and be quick to hear God, for James, it means nothing without putting what you hear into actual practice, right? Those that listen but don't do, he says, are lying to themselves. See, you don't have a relationship with God because you responded to a message and you said a prayer. You don't have a relationship with God because you attend even a Sunday experience regularly or go through a set of rituals or practices in your life regularly. You don't have a relationship with God because you read your Bible every day. Hearing and doing and all, or sorry, hearing and listening and leaning into all those things is helpful, but they mean nothing, James says, without obedience. Nothing without obedience. James is echoing Jesus. We hear James like, man, James, what are you? Man, that's harsh, man. You're telling me I can come on a Sunday, I can listen, I can read my Bible every day, I can pray, I can be what on the outside looks like this perfect person who's really striving to be like Jesus. But if I don't do anything, then I'm a liar and I'm being lied, I'm lying to myself. That's harsh. But James is echoing Jesus. Jesus says, he was speaking to this big crowd one day, as in Luke 11. It probably won't be up on the screen, but you can listen. Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God. Yeah, that sounds nice. Who hear the word of God and keep it. That means do it, put it into practice, live it out, right? That's what Jesus was saying here. Anyone who has children, I think, can relate to this. Anybody who's had kids, or maybe you're a kid and you remember your life as you were a little kid, you remember this. Anybody who's been this, right? I know I can't be the only parent that has felt like I'm just wasting my breath at times. I can't be. I cannot be the only person. I'll give instruction. I do this every day, every single day, probably, I don't know, a thousand times a day because I got all these kids, right? So I'm doing this over and over and over again to all these children. I'll give instructions. I know they're listening. Sometimes they'll even repeat what I have said back to me because I'll ask that. I said, did you hear me? Great. Now tell me what I just said. I want to make sure they're hearing me, right? But then when I come back around, they still haven't done what I said. The problem wasn't listening. They heard me. The problem was action or the lack thereof, right? You see, there are times in my life as a parent that I would rather they wouldn't listen. I would rather you not hear me and go and act the fool than have heard me and still go act the fool, all right? Because then at least I know you have a good excuse as to why you're acting the way you do, all right? At least that would be there. Here's the thing. You shouldn't read the Bible. You shouldn't listen for God in prayer or even hear a message on a Sunday and not act on what you've heard. But that's what most of us do, myself included. I'm not, I'm not preaching to anybody other than myself here. Because most of us go say, man, I hear you, God, right? I, man, I, I, I can even repeat back what your word says to me. I can quote line in scripture and verse, or I can remember something I've heard for one day, and that sounds like really good. So I know what I've heard, but I'm probably not going to do it. And I'm probably not going to. Or maybe, you know, if I do do it, you know what, God, that sounds really good. I'll get around to that tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. And I know this happens because it happens to me, because as frustrated as I am with my kids, it often makes me pause and reflect. Every time I've had that scenario with my kids, and I'm like, why are you not doing what I've told you to do? I hear God saying, why haven't you done what I've told you to do? 
and we correct our kids, or I pray you, if you don't correct your kids, please correct your kids. Don't give up on your kids. Keep, keep correcting and guiding your kids. Don't just say they're going to do what they want to do. Forget it. Keep, keep doing your best to pour into them because here's the thing. You correct your kids because you love your kids. James is writing this letter because he loves the people he's writing this letter to. So when it says you're lying to yourself if you don't do what you're told, he is not sitting there saying, bad, bad, bad. He's saying, smarten up. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting my time? I want to correct you, not because I don't love you, because I do love you. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Do what you're hearing. And stop spinning in circles. Now, I like James, James's first line in that verse where he says, but be doers of the word. And I like that because uh, in the Greek, that first phrase could better be said, could other be translated this, it could be keep on becoming doers of God's word. Keep on becoming doers. Keep on becoming, meaning it's a process that takes time, that takes failure, and that takes repetition, Right? Because that's what a life following after Jesus looks like. There is nobody here that is doing everything James wants us to do. It is a struggle to do what James is calling us to do, a struggle to do what Jesus calls us to do. It is failure, it is repetition, but it is a striving for that. Keep on becoming doers. It's not something you do once. It's not one prayer you pray. It's not one practice you practice. It's this ingrained habit of continual doing. And while you may stumble in the doing, all the talk has to turn into a walk at some point, though. Or James says, you're just lying to yourself. Man, I appreciate the bluntness here. He explains what he means with another great word picture, verse 23 and 24. He says, for if anyone's a hearer, anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and then he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I love it. What's the point of looking in a mirror? Talk to me for a minute. What's the point of looking in a mirror? To see if you look good? All right. Anybody else got an, got an opinion about mirrors? <laughs> what else? Something in your teeth? What else? Nobody else uses a mirror. Okay. All right. <laughs> that would explain some things. All right. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I need a longer mirror. Sometimes I stand in the mirror and I can't see what's going on down from here. I just assume everything's okay. All right. <laughs> or my wife will tell me later. Don't worry, Dave. <laughs> The point of looking in the mirror is to see yourself for who you truly are, right? That's what it is. That's what it is. You get up in the morning, and you look in the mirror, and the bags under your eyes tell you what your body told you when you got up. That, Man, I didn't sleep well last night, right? Uh, you're out to eat with your friends, and you, and you have broccoli, so you go back to your car, and you flip that mirror down, and you pull that thing up, and you get the light shining on your face, and you go, Ee! and you look, and you realize, man, I had broccoli stuck in my teeth that whole doggone time. And it's like, shoot, man, why didn't I go to the bathroom early, right? You look in the mirror to check and see if there's something, there's, there's an issue there that you can fix, right? The only one, James says, who hears the word of God, or sorry, the one who only hears the word of God but does nothing with it is like one looking in the mirror, seeing they're dirty and saying, "Woo, man, I need to clean up. And then immediately walking away from the mirror, forgetting how dirty they are and walking around as if they're clean. That's what he's saying. James says instead, what's expected is for us to do something about it. Verse 25, 
He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, that the gospel of Christ is what he's talking about here, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The word looks here in the Greek means to bend over intently, to study with great care, right? Meaning the one who hears God's word in their lives wants to take it all in, wants to let it expose every imperfection in them so that they can then begin to be made clean by it. They're not content to see the need, forget about it, walk away again. But they're responding by putting into practice what they see in here. And James says that person... That person is the one that will be blessed. That person is the one who prospers in his or her life. That person is the one who will experience true freedom to live life as if it is intended to be lived. Psalm 1 verse 3 says the person that does this is like this. He says he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither. In all that he does, he prospers. By doing what God says to do. Not hearing, doing it. So what does a faith that walks like that actually look like? Let's go real quick. Verse 26 and 27. He says this. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. He says religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep one unstained from the world. Now, religion is a culturally charged word, right? So it's important to put it in context. Religion that James is speaking of here is the reverence and worship of God, okay? So it could be read again this way. If anyone claims to follow Jesus and worship God, but doesn't practice self-control and doesn't uh, help the helpless, is a fool who has fooled himself, but nobody else. Let me repeat that one for you. If anyone claims to follow Jesus and worship God, but doesn't practice self-control and doesn't help the helpless, is a fool who has fooled himself or herself, but not anybody else. You see, to worship God is to obey and to imitate Him. Imitation means knowing who you're, what you're imitating, right? You can't imitate something you don't know. We're imitating the character of God. That's why he pulls these two phrases. He says to help the orphan and the widow, right? Because it says this in Psalm 68, verse 5. It says, Father of the fathers and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. I got that one up here for you. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. That's the character of God. That's who we're to be imitating when we're worshiping and revering God. See, one of the biggest problems Jesus had in his life and his time when he was in ministry was the religious people in his time, the religious elite. They had all the right answers. They were listening. They knew that all the responses, they could pass the test 100 times over, but they never put what they knew into practice. They claimed to represent God, and here's the problem. Here's the thing. 
This is why Jesus was critical. This is why James is critical. James is speaking to believers. So if you're here today and you haven't followed Jesus yet, this one isn't for you. This is why it's so harsh. This is for everybody who claims to follow Jesus. If you see if what you're doing when you claim to follow Jesus and you're saying, yep, I, I'm a Jesus follower, I, I'm a Christian, put whatever label you want to on it, but you're saying that you are pursuing Christ and striving to do as he's asked you to do. When you're doing that, you're representing him. Everything you do is supposed to reflect him. So if, you're, if you go out and you're doing all the things he said not to do, if you're hating, if you're gossiping, if you're lying, if you're doing all the opposite that Jesus calls us to do, if you're not loving and forgiving and, and all these things that he has, he has called us to do because he did them himself, if you're not doing that, you're misrepresenting Jesus. You're not just living a life that's, that's uh, not in line with Christ. You're living a life that misrepresents Christ to others who don't know him yet. That's why this is so important. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the religious people in Jesus' day, they claimed to represent God, but they were nothing like who they represented. James is carrying that thought forward and saying, if you're going to worship God, don't do it with your mouth. Do it with every single thing you have. Do it with every part of you. Represent Jesus in everything you do by practicing that self-control, by sacrificially giving to those who are vulnerable and overlooked in your life and by committing to fellow believers who are walking that same walk with you. Don't be fooled into worthless worship that looks good, but is see-through. I pray, my, 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 oof, my, my, my strong, strong belief <laughs> in prayer over this church is that we are not a group of people that are fooled into worthless worship that looks good, but is see-through. I'm not saying don't come here if you can't do this. But I am saying, if we're not striving with me, what are we wasting our time with? We are representing the God of the universe, the one who has saved our souls, the one who has done everything for us that we can never do for ourselves and says, come follow me. Don't make a liar out of him. Thinking you're fooling people when you're not. And if that hits you hard, good because it hits me hard. Because that's the words of God, not mine. We are to be eager to hear God speaking, leaning in, and then acting on it by serving Him with all that we have and serving others in the same. If you're a seeker this morning, if you're someone who hasn't committed to following Christ yet, you're listening, you're, you're, you're in, you're engaged, and, and you want to hear more, but you haven't made a decision, be like, I don't know if I'm all in on Jesus yet. There's a high bar. It's not an, and I want to clarify, this is a high bar <laughs> to following Christ. But it's a bar worth striving for. One, not because you're ever going to get there, because the only perfect person was Jesus. And the beauty of the gospel, why James is, is aiming at this over and over again, do what, what the gospel lives out, is that we are imperfect, fallen, messed up people. We can never live up to what God has called us to. He is so holy. He is so other. He is, he is just this magnificent uh, God himself sitting on the throne. We're never going to own up to that. We're never going to be good enough for that. But Jesus was. And Jesus stepped out of that came and, and put himself in flesh, 
lived a perfect life that we can never live, died on a cross for all those worn out clothes that we wear, all that sin, that stain, that messed up stuff that we have done for ourselves. And he says, I love you enough to come out of holiness, to step down into the dirt and to save you. I'm not leaving you where you're at. You are worth more to me than anything else. I will rescue you. I will clean you up. I will make you new. I will give you new life and I will welcome you home to where you're supposed to be. That is what Christ does for us. And the standard's high because the Savior's high. He is holy. But yet he is such, he's a friend who steps close. And so if you're listening in and you're a seeker, you're like, man, I don't know about this Jesus thing. There's a lot expected, but there's more given. Much more. Infinitely more. And he gives you the ability to live it out. There's no person here that can do what Christ calls us to. Only Christ in us. Working in us. Is that possible? That's how we are to even begin to love as we're called to love. That's how we're even to begin to forgive people who hate us. That's how we can even look at suffering in our lives and say, thank you, Jesus. That's only possible because of him. So if you're here and you want to walk into that relationship to commit to him and follow after him, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. It's the first step on a great Long adventure is what I like to think of it as. But if you're not, and you're sitting in and you're listening, saying, man, that's hard stuff. Yes, it is. But I want to continue to ask you, stay with us. Like, even if you don't know, if you're not sitting on the fence, and like, I don't quite know, continue to come on a Sunday, continue to watch, because what I, what I know with all of my heart, what the, what the Gospels continue to tell us, is that if you want to see Jesus, look around. Look around. We are to be the hand, we are the physical manifestation of Christ on earth right now. We are far from perfect, but we are to exhibit those same qualities. So as you come, and you keep coming to us Sundays, but beyond Sundays, see, seeing us out in the community, uh, you know, come, to, come over to my house, come over to each other's houses, we should be exhibiting and showing Jesus in all that we do so that you who are not committed to him yet can look and say, okay, wow, all right, they're struggling, they got some problems, but they handle them, or at least try to handle them differently. Continue to listen, continue to lean in and see how that changes us and how it is calling to change you. For believers, I told you when I started this series a couple weeks ago, James is tough. What I love about going line by line in these letters is there's no shortcuts. I don't get to skip over the parts I don't like. Uh, I get to go into every single piece and we get to go through this together, right? So you read and hear these words and you're like, man, I can't live up to this. This is impossible right? Uh, matter of fact, last week, I know I heard, some folks were echoing that, like, I mean, I failed. I'm done, right? It could be really discouraging when you're hearing this, right? But I pray we take it as a challenge. I pray we see that that, that standard is high, because it should be. And then we're not like, man, I'm never going to get there, but that we're going to strive for it each and every opportunity we have, because following Jesus, walking out our faith should mean taking a long, hard look in the mirror and not being content with what we see, but being drawn by the Spirit to look like Jesus. And yes, that means a daily dose of grace and mercy that we need, because Lord knows I do. 
because none of us have arrived yet, but it also means being reminded of that standard and knowing that though we fail, those failures are there to serve to teach us and grow us to be the strong, battle-hardened believer we're called to be and not that sheltered, weak, and ineffectual one that we want to live in our comfort zones for. So to help with that, I want to encourage you this week. I did this last week. I encourage you to read James 1, verse 2. Hopefully you did that. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, right? When you meet sufferings of various kinds. But I want you to read James 1, 22 this week, uh, each day. Just one short verse. It's so small. Anybody can do this, right? 1, 22. Just once each day. But I want to encourage you, don't just read it for yourself. Don't just read it for yourself. Think about all the people next to you in the same room. For all of you online who are listening to this and watching, and, you're, and you read James 1.22 and say, Lord, help me. I need help to do this. But Lord, help Steve, right? Help Carrie, help, help whoever. Pray for each other. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, we're called to, to encourage one another, to pray for, to build each other up. It's not just, oh, let me go to prayer and say, man, I need this, Jesus. It's like, man, I know someone else who needs this just as much as I do. Let me pour it out and pray over them too. That's what this is supposed to look like. So I want to encourage you to do that. James 1.22, once each day, and also pray for somebody else when you're reading it too, because they need it just as much as you do. I guarantee you that. If you don't know anybody else in this church to pray for, pray for me, all right? Because I need this, all right? I'd appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get ready to pray for each other right now. Let's uh, hands, uh, eyes shut, heads down as we get ready to focus in. My kids always ask me this, by the way. I said, why do we have to close our eyes? Uh, you don't have to, by the way. There's no rule. Uh, it just helps you to focus. When you're talking about listening, you sh- if you're with someone in person, looking them in the eye, active listening requires disengagement. Uh, this is a time to be able to shut everything down and say, all right, Lord, I'm ready to listen and to speak to you. If you're here this morning and you're a seeker and you're ready to commit to following Jesus, how you respond to that, how you respond to God speaking in you this morning, is by prayer. It's not magic words. It's nothing, nothing crazy about prayer. It's just a communication with Jesus and with God. So you, say it, you can say a prayer like this if you're ready to respond and commit to following Him. You say, Dear Jesus, first, I'm sorry. I've worn a, a, a set of clothes that have been dirty and torn and messed up. Uh, things that I've, I've scraped and bent and broken, and I, I've, I've broken myself doing some crazy things or stuff that's been done to me. <sighs> so many things. And today a mirror's been held up in front. As I'm listening to you, your character, your love, your mercy, your grace, and God, the standard that you set for us. And today I know I need that love and that mercy and that grace. I need your forgiveness for the things I've done. God, I need that so that I can forgive others too for what they've done to me. And I need it so I can live like you. Help me to do that day by day. Now, if that's you and you said that prayer or one like it, it doesn't have to be those exact words, I want to encourage you before you leave today, find me, find uh, John's up front, Walt's in the back. There's so many people here who want to help you on that next step of this journey because it is a long, crazy adventure that requires so many more things of us rallying around together to walk it. I want to encourage you to do that. Don't just go home and think, oh, I'm good. Be a doer of the word and follow through this morning. For the believers and everyone else as we close, dear Jesus, Lord, I thank you, God, that you first 
have given us new life, that none of these things in James would be possible without your grace and mercy poured out on us. There is nothing that we can do in this on our own, Lord, but you give us your spirit, Lord. You said that you would give us, Lord, to convict, but to comfort, to empower us to accomplish what you've called us out to do, to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. So, Father, my prayer for all of us this week is this, Lord, that we'll be eager to listen to you in all things this week, that when we wake up, we're not interested in what our day is going to be. We're interested in what your day is for us, Jesus, first and foremost. God, we're eager to listen into others' lives, not to rush to speak, not to be rushed to, to project our, our advice and, and, and all of us on someone else, but to, uh, Lord, represent you well in all that we do, being doers of what we hear, strengthening our relationship with you, and, and blessing and encouraging each other as we do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if you're online for being with us, especially, uh, make sure you're sharing, liking, subscribing, doing all the crazy things you need to do to make sure someone else hears the good news of Jesus Christ and to strengthen and encourage them where they are in their walk. Uh, make sure you're doing that. Even for unbelievers, share it with people who don't know Jesus. That's the main point. Get it out, man. And uh, let's welcome them home. All right. So make sure you're doing that. We cannot wait to see you guys online next time. Thank you for being with us.